Hi, this is Nathan Basil, a.k.a. Leslie Vernon, on Extreme Horror Replay. And you better listen or I'll scare the poop out of you. What's up, Goreheads, and welcome to another episode of the Extreme Horror Replay Podcast. And as always, I have my beautiful wife sitting next to me, Nancy. How you doing, babe? <laughs> Can't complain. You can, but nobody will listen. <laughs> <laughs> True story. So, um, Okay, so this time I did come up with a Would You Rather, and I think it's fitting for the episode that we have planned for you today. Um, okay, so our icebreaker is going to be, would you rather be the killer in a movie and die at the end, or would you rather be the final girl and live, but you don't get to have all the fun that everybody else has? And as the killer, obviously you're having fun because you're the killer. Are we like immersing ourselves in this lifestyle, or is this just like... Like killer in a movie, that means like an actor playing the role. And no, I would say you are a killer for one movie. I'd rather be the killer or the final girl. I'd rather be the killer. You'd rather be the killer and die at the end? Yeah. You think it would be more fun that way? Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I mean, if you're going to go like two hours throughout a movie, right? I would rather do that, uh, spend that two hours like. Being the star and killing people than like running and being scared and screaming and being a coward. <laughs> okay. All right. I think I'd probably, even if I died, I'd probably rather be the killer too. <laughs> I think it would be more fun. It would, you, you'd get to be more inventive. You'd get to have more fun. And let's face it. It's not the girl, the survivor girl that people remember. It's the killer. True. True. Um, I think that's a fitting would you rather for the movie that we watched for this episode. Nancy has been on kind of a kick of watching, I don't want to say older movies, but movies that we've seen before, uh, kind of recently and she's wanted to rewatch. So like our last episode, we did Oculus and for actually a long time, uh, she's been talking about. Uh, behind the mask the rise of leslie vernon and maybe it's because it's christmas time and the girl who was on home alone is in it oh i didn't <laughs> think that i like the the whole meta it, aspect it, of it this it's yeah. innovative like scream kind of reinvigorated horror in the 90s the the mid to late 90s in 96 do you remember seeing that the first time out in Vegas? <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. We went to see Scream out in Vegas with our sister-in-law. And right after Drew Barrymore died, she... Uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> right after Drew Barrymore died, she was out. 
she noped yeah. out quick. Some people just don't have the stomach for it, I guess. So, um, you know what I what I like about this movie? Hmm. And we're talking about Leslie Vernon. Yes. So you know one of my biggest pet peeves in movies. You have so many, I can't even keep up. Okay, well, <laughs> you'll definitely recognize my pet peeve of okay <laughs> fake documentaries. Right. Okay, yes, yes, yes. This makes fun of fake documentaries. It does to a certain degree. But see, okay, so, all right. So now you've said you don't like fake documentaries, but... Because the people on those have to act like they're not acting. In this movie, they have to act like they're not acting, but they're acting. <laughs> okay. So, best in show. Now, granted, it's a comedy. Mm-hmm. But that, I think, would be considered a mockumentary. Yeah, mockumentary spoof. is good. A okay. Spoof. I don't like, like, Blair Witch, where it's like they're trying to, like, pull one over on us. And we're, they actually want us to question, oh, my gosh, this is so real. Did this really happen? Blah, okay. blah, blah. So you don't like, okay. I don't like an insult to my intelligence with these. <laughs> okay, but remember way back, I think it was episode two, we did the Poughkeepsie tapes. Mm -hmm. Did you like that one? If I remember correctly, I think you did. The storyline I liked. That was way before our rating systems evolved. Yeah, I can still remember doing that one. <laughs> Sitting at the kitchen table. Yeah. <laughs> I think we had Lewis. It was like. Lewis was a baby, or not a baby. We might have just gotten Molly and Marvin. Was that the one where we popped the... No, that was Maniac. That was oh, our very okay. first episode. <laughs> yeah, we had the bottle of champagne, and I took the uh, foil seal off, and then I took the wire, what do you call that, gasket, or whatever the hell it's called, the wire container thing, and we just had the bottle sitting on the table next to us, and we're talking and chit-chatting, and then all of a sudden you hear this <laughs> cork went flying into the ceiling. We were not expecting it to to uh, to explode without having, you know, being, trying to open it. So, so, so I think from what I remember of Poughkeepsie Tapes, mm -hmm. it has been a couple years. Yes, we do still have it, actually. We should watch that one again. Um, Can do. I think I, re I like the storyline of it. Because you can like a story, and you can like how everything unfolds, but mm. you don't have to like the format that it's in. Okay. Just like, you don't like the others just because it's all, you know, like, British hoity-toity, foggy, like, and... I don't like the others because it's not a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll have to agree to disagree. Again. <laughs> okay. I don't like the whole... Mockumentary where they're making fun of documentaries is funny, mm -hmm. but trying to make people believe, and people, I mean, they know that it's a movie and that people are actors and everything, but it's kind of like these actors think that they're better actors than they actually are by acting like they're not acting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what, okay, so you brought up the Blair Witch. Mm-hmm. That would be an example of a, of a quote-unquote documentary that you don't like. Yeah, because you're watching the entire thing, and every time there's dialogue, you're like, why are they trying? They're trying to sell it like it's real. Okay. So, oh, man. 
see, this movie, it doesn't try to sell us something. It's just for entertainment. Okay. It's it it kind of like is an homage to people that love horror movies to the point where it could be funny to so, mock them. So okay. So I think what if I'm understanding you correctly, you're saying that you like you like movies. Oh, I so think much. that goes without saying, but <laughs> <laughs> you like fake documentary movies that don't seem like the people are acting. Whereas in like the Blair Witch Project, it seemed like they were overacting and trying too hard to make it seem like a true life documentary. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think I get what you're saying. I, I guess I in the movies like like Leslie Vernon, I like the ridiculousness. Like they're making fun of. Well, like, they're they're making fun of a lot of stuff. They're yeah. making fun of like basic. Uh, okay. Maybe we should. Oh, let's just get started with the plot, and then we can like. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Again, uh, behind the mask, Rise of Leslie Vernon, uh, six point seven on IMDb. It was released in two thousand six. So as we said, it's basically the movie follows Leslie Vernon, who is a serial killer in training, um, and he's trying to single out the quote unquote again final girl. He is. He's being followed by a, are they college? Is it college news crew? Or Because she says she's working on her dissertation, I think. Uh, so, yeah, would she, like, grad school? Yeah, grad school. So, she, so she's being followed by a news crew, or not a news crew, but like a, like a student filmmakers or whatever. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, she's being followed by, or Leslie Burnt, see, Leslie, um, <laughs> He is being followed by a college graduate or grad student news crew or documentary filmmakers. And throughout the entire movie, he goes through this, like, okay, this is step one. This is step two. This is step three. Here's how I prepare. Here's how I do this. And they're following throughout, following him throughout this entire process. You know what just occurred to me? Hmm. This because we like to compare, the, uh, I like to compare this to like um, Best in Show or um, Spinal Tap. Right. But this movie actually breaks that third wall. Third wall or the fourth wall? Well, it breaks the third wall because wouldn't the fourth wall be like actual directors of the movie? Okay. It's interesting you brought that up. I heard something on another podcast the other day and I apologize for whoever it is out there who you are whoever you are you don't have to apologize for them being who they are <laughs> I, I, I am so sorry for you <laughs> i'm so sorry you're you uh so i was listening to a podcast the other day and okay i apologize i don't remember who it was they were talking about a character breaking the third wall or the fourth wall Breaking the fourth wall is where they talk to the audience. Breaking the third wall is where they realize they're in a movie. So they, it's, it's like they realize they're in a movie. So they. So she, she breaks the fourth wall. She breaks the fourth wall by talking to us. But Leslie Vernon is talking to her. Leslie Vernon 
knowing that he's in a movie, I think, is breaking the third wall, if I'm getting that correct. So, but it's interesting you brought that yeah. up because it was something that I never even thought about. Because you always hear about breaking the fourth wall. And yeah. that's that's the character talking to the audience, talking to the watchers. Um so yeah, kind of interesting that. So that, would the actual like if they showed the director of the real movie, would that be breaking the fifth wall? I s- still think that would be like the actual director of the movie movie? Yeah. I th- think that would be that would still be considered what would that be considered? I don't know. I think that would still only be fourth wall. Okay, well, we, we can... Or I don't even know if it would be breaking a wall. <laughs> you know, but it's like, okay, uh, Spaceballs. Mm-hmm. There's a scene in Spaceballs where they're fighting or doing something, and I think it's Dark Helmet turns to the camera guy and says... Like Jim Halpert on The Office. Yeah, kind of. But that's almost fourth wallish too. I don't know. But I th- so in Spaceballs, I think one of the camera guys actually gets hit by the Schwartz, or you know the, the like one of the real camera guys or one of the no one of the quotes again the camera guys. Okay. And then the guy the I, I'm pretty sure it's Dark Helmet that turns to the director or like the script keeper. Well, Mel Brooks, I think he did that in a lot of his. It probably does because it's just goofy. Yeah. So, I don't know. But so okay, yes. So Leslie Vernon, as we've already said several times, is a serial killer. He's kind of a jokester, but he's also kind of like a normal guy. He just, you know, he lives his life, but he's preparing for this big showdown. I guess you'd say. Did he give you any kind of funny like Dexter vibes? Yeah, like when he's kind explaining of, but... like his rationale for why he does stuff. Yeah, a little. And the bit. fact that that Dexter that you... narrates what he's doing. Now that you say it, yes, I I can see that. Like a funny Dexter kind of. <laughs> yeah, we do have it on in the background, so if well, you won't hear it because we have it muted. But <laughs> um, no, he's like he he's almost like Dexter and the dad from Modern Family. Well, in terms of looks, it kind of looks like, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah, he's the he's the serial killer, and the movie is extremely meta mm-hmm. because they talk about Freddy Krueger and they talk about Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers and you know Leatherface and stuff like that, and he's comparing himself throughout this entire movie to those uh, characters who are obviously characters you know from yeah. movies and. They have, and I know you haven't mentioned this him yet, but Virgil from Walking Dead, mm-hmm. just seeing him in this role is, it's because you're used, I'm used to seeing him on Walking Dead. Right. And then he played in like uh, G.I. Jane and. I hated him on Walking yeah. Dead. Um, it was a pain in the ass. But this is like, <laughs> this is not anything like he, he's played before. No, it was a goofy yeah, role for him. And it just. Just because I'm not expecting that from him, it made it that much funnier. See, I like him in this role because, yeah. yes, he's playing like a goofy ex-serial killer. He's retired, but he still trains himself yeah. to be a serial killer. <laughs> and, and at some point in the movie, he gives rules about, you know, like... 
You got yourself an Ahab. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get to the Ahab part later. Um, it is just, it's just funny. So as Leslie is going through, he's talking to the documentary crew, and you know, step one is picking the location for the story, and his location is an apple orchard, and this kind of goes back to the legend of Leslie Vernon. Uh, who was supposedly a child who was raised by some inhumane people, um, and they just kind of put him out to, you know, fend for himself. So he found this hand scythe, and I don't know. The backstory is really kind of complicated, and and I'm sorry I didn't write down the notes, but maybe I, I could interject. May something you? that will you can I lay it out? You know what what we like about like Spinal Tap mm-hmm. and Best in Show? Spinal Tap, it's hilarious because it's a mockumentary on the absurdity of the vanity of a rock band. Maybe making something big out of it would have been a good idea. <laughs> exactly. And then <laughs> Best in Show was making fun of the absurdity about the seriousness people put into dog shows. Right. This was making fun of not something like every day like dog shows and rock bands but it's it's taking it a step further by making fun of something that doesn't isn't normally the laughing stock of something okay and that's like murder and you know I that's see. why I, I feel like it's innovative it's beyond like like a richard guest kind of yeah on deep thoughts <laughs> that's right up there with pious <laughs> That's a the humor is in the fact the absurdity that nobody would actually make a documentary right. about. You're a never gonna killer. see you're you're gonna see like real movies like Spinal Tap, and that's gonna be like because I think there's there's been ones made for like Metallica and whatever. Yeah, and you know, um, I don't know if they've they've ever had another movie made about dog shows. I'm sure there is, but but if anybody else had a movie like this where they were making fun of doing a mockumentary of like the the inner workings and thought process of serial killers in a comedic way you'd be all like they totally copied leslie vernon because (laughs) this was like groundbreaking right yeah and i mean it it's one of those movies like i don't know it's just it well like you said it's off the wall And it's one of those kind of movies, like you said, I mean, who's actually going to interview a serial killer and follow them on their path to creating this, uh, I hate to keep saying it, quote unquote, like final showdown with the final girl. And and you you really like the the star character is the killer and you start to like him. And that's also something that I think he's hilarious. Yeah, I (laughs) think. (laughs) <laughs> he, it, we like, and we we discussed this when we were watching it. They they cast like the perfect person to play this. He's really good, and I would I would love to interview him because he's just like, I don't know. He I don't think he does a lot of stuff. He I think does. He's in this movie. He does like for killing, kind of like what they were trying to go for in you. Yeah. But like he was not likable. No, to I hate either I, of us. That guy. Bleh. Yeah. It, like it's well, kind how of, many times did we compare him to Dexter, the movie You, yeah. to Dexter, well, and or the show You? The guy in You is... You? 
it's kind of like like you when you watch it they want to tell you this is this is like the thought process of a stalker right and and they want to make it kind of like comedic because there's like you know there's dark comedy in it the first season was the only good season after he got married it was just like yeah you didn't want to is and i feel like they wanted us to like him that he sucked (laughs) and like be they wanted us to be in like conflict with the fact that we like somebody on the screen who's playing a stalker right Right. and and i don't like being pushed into liking anybody any character (laughs) (laughs) this movie they leslie they didn't they just didn't give a shit like this it's just like i said it's like the absurdity of it is what makes it so funny He's almost charming. Yeah, he is charming. Yeah, it, which it's is, like kind of like, and he's still like, he's like killing all these people, but it's like <laughs> hilarious that he's doing it. But it's, it's what he said in one one of the scenes. He's like, and I I hide there and scare the poop. <laughs> 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 it's like you're talking to somebody that you're you're sitting and having a couple of beers with. <laughs> yeah. He'll tell her to stay put while he checks it out. He'll say, everything's all right. Honey? And then... <coughs> Let her go. She's the starting gun. She'll run screaming back into the house and start the panic. That gives me time to make my next move. There's no lock on that old tool shed, so I'll use the corpse to scare the poop out of the kid who goes in there next. The shed's a safe haven. I can't let anyone... We both got a good kick out of that one. (laughs) It's just something that it's like, and when you when you 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 watch him, it's kind of like you're putting yourself in like Jason Voorhees' place, right? right. Or Freddy Krueger, and you're like, I don't know. It's 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 a very interesting dynamic. We you need to put a sound bite in it. I will. I'll find it somehow. <laughs> uh so <laughs> so yeah, okay. Step one was finding the location for a story, which is the apple orchard. Uh step two is finding the target, who is a young girl, a virgin, and who he deems to be the perfect target, who actually happens to be a high school girl, uh, who works as a Waitress at a diner, local like, in town. Tammy, whatever, whatever from. She was in Shameless. Uh, Shameless yes, I, I don't remember her name. Her... It it's a it rhymes with Tammy, I think. Tammy, Tammy Amy, something. <laughs> <laughs> it's not important. It was Lip's wife towards the end of the series. Um, so then he goes as as Nancy said. Uh, what was his name? Herschel. Herschel, no. Did I say Virgil? We always do that. <laughs> no, wait. Did I say it? Herschel? Or did I say Virgil? I don't remember. It is Herschel. That's, it's that's Herschel. The correct. Yeah. But every We always time... confuse him with Daryl's brother, the names. But anyway, Herschel from uh from The Walking Dead is like an ex serial killer and he gives he kind of he's like a almost like a mentor to Leslie. Um, so he, he talks about the old days, about how, 
how things have changed, how things have, you know, evolved. Now, being a serial killer isn't the same as it used to be because you used to be able to just, like, you'd go out and you'd find these people and you'd kill them lickety-split. Which is funny, anyway, because the thought that, that, like, a serial killer like Jason Voorhees or Michael Myers <laughs> goes through a retirement right, is, is also something that you just, you don't, just don't think about that. <laughs> no. You know? I think... You don't think of them having... A normal wife that they settle down with, and you know, it would be gaining weird. A, like, a protege. <laughs> <laughs> it would be one of those things. I like this scene too. Paradise Lost found it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, talking about how, uh, yeah, like it would be weird. Like Jason Voorhees takes off his mask and pours himself a, a whiskey or something yeah. and sits and, down in his easy chair. I and... do love how, how they took the whole um, Michael Myers mask thing. You gotta have like a mask that yeah. is, you know, you could definitely tell that it was inspired by <laughs> <laughs> with the hair, the, the wily hair on the mask. All right. <laughs> Here it is. Here's the Paradise Lost scene. Paradise Lost. Found it. <laughs> So you get the, okay, so now they're at this library and you get the fake story about the fake family of Leslie Vernon. And what it is, is basically he says, or I'm sorry, not of Leslie Vernon, but of the final girl. And I can't remember her name. Um, Les Incompetents, that's what we call it. <laughs> well, no, not her. The, oh. the waitress girl. Oh no! But the Kelly? waitress girl isn't the final girl. We Ultimately. don't know that yet. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> so, but okay. So yeah. So here it is. Ernest <laughs> lost. Found it. <laughs> <laughs> and he just gives a, a really small smirk. So, but anyway, so he plants this newspaper story of. This the final girl about her uncle being a rapist, and this is how she comes to. I don't know. It's kind of it, whatever. It justifies what he thinks is her virginity that doesn't. Right. It doesn't exist. So now, yeah, because you do find out that yeah. she's a pretty wild sex addict. <laughs> but anyway, so and then. As they're in the library, as Nancy brought up a little bit ago, Nancy, Nancy <laughs> brought up a little, a little bit ago. This is when his Ahab shows up, and this is uh, Doc Holleran, and played by Robert England. Basically, the Doc Holleran, which is a reference to Dick Holleran from The Shining, he, he, and the, he's his he, he nemesis. Um, the kid he called the kid Doc. He called the kid Doc. Yeah. Oh, right. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So Doc was the kid, and Holleran was the band. The man. The black man. Scatman Carruthers. Skibbity bop bop doo. Um, so, yeah. Dick Holleran, Doc Holleran, shows up, and he is uh, Leslie Vernon's Ahab. He's his nemesis. He's the, he's the good to Leslie Vernon's evil. The Donald Pleasants. Yeah. Exactly. He does kind of look like Donald Pleasance, doesn't he? Because he's wearing the overcoat and he's yeah. got the beard and the, the scruffy beard. So he ends up shooting Leslie, but Leslie gets away because he was wearing a bulletproof vest. And this is where we kind of find out that Leslie Vernon 
isn't exactly uh, who he said he was. He was he was he was actually not the boy from the urban legend of the town. He was actually just a guy who wants to be a serial killer. Um, when we find this out, though, he he kind of starts to break down. Um, we should also mention. Ugh, we should also. Yeah, we should also mention that Zelda Rubenstein, Stein, is it Steen or Stein? Zelda Rubenstein, Steen? I I, I don't know, the little old lady from the poltergeist. It would be Rubenstein. (laughs) Rubenstein. Anyway, yeah, this house is clean. That lady uh, from poltergeist, she's in this movie too as the librarian. Um, Didn't they say that she's like four foot eight or something? Four foot three, I think what they said something like that she's short as fuck and she's kind of goofy looking wasn't she a a a, a, a she, oompa or not an oompa no no no, no he, we represent no. the lollipop gym. no but she was in um <laughs> 16 candles was she yeah i don't i'll take your word for that i think i've only seen that through once if that yeah you don't like molly ringwald right no got favorite teeth Sorry, Molly, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> so anyway, he starts to break down all the steps of his final showdown. He puts dead batteries in the flashlights. He has a little, what would you call that? Like a clicker or some kind of remote to turn off all the circuits in the house that is, cuts the lights. Which is funny because it's things like, you, <laughs> again, when you're thinking about Michael Myers or Jason right. Voorhees, you're not thinking about them. Making all these preparations Prepping ahead of time. For... <laughs> yeah. You just see it happening in the movie. They just kind of do it. Yeah, but in this movie, it kind of make it, it. It occurs to you that somehow the flashlight doesn't have any batteries. Right. Somehow the car doesn't have keys hanging <laughs> off the sun visor. Right. You know. You never really do think of that kind of stuff. Yeah. It just kind of happens, and it kind of is. Um. It's like the the. I don't know, like horror movie bad luck or bad juju or something. Yeah, but in, in this that movie, respect, this movie just did not get enough props. I, you know, could you say this movie is underrated? I know a lot of horror people like this movie. I and it's one of those movies like it. I mean, it. it well, if you well, I I shouldn't say. This is a movie that we have on DVD. Which, I mean, that that actually says a lot, because we know that if we want to watch a movie, it's usually going to be streaming, and if it's not streaming, then we'll just wait till it does stream or whatever. Right. But the fact that we, like, went out of our way to get the DVD for it... Right. ...kind of, like, you know, speaks to our... Commitment. Yeah, our, our respect our, for, for yeah. the movie. Because we usually, I mean... We'll Some movies are just crap, or if like it's in the five dollar bin at Walmart, and we're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they raised the price. Yeah, it's $5 I, I noticed DVDs. They don't it's have yeah. seven ninety five for blue right now. Um, but anyway, so okay, yeah, he's breaking down his his steps for the final showdown. As we said, there's there's dead batteries in the flashlight. He's got a remote that turns off all the circuits in the house, so the lights go out. He's planted uh, bodies of some of the victims in certain places to make people <laughs> run out. 
Um, would you you notice and remember in Halloween that Michael Myers it, like she would open the door and then a corpse would be all like in the room falling down on her. Yeah. Do you remember <laughs> our discussion of what that was called? What we tried to figure out if it was the body drop or the body show up. Yeah, we were body... we are trying <laughs> the body reveal. I think body reveal. I think that was for Intruder. I think we did that on that episode. I called you out on coming up with. We tried to figure it out. You didn't call. It just we tried to figure it out. And you accused me of of trying to sway people to my side. But it, so yeah, the dead body reveal. Um. So. But he's got the the windows are nailed shut. He's got branches sawed, so if they try to climb out an upper window onto a branch, the branches break <laughs> and they fall. I loved how they explained where they never have in horror movies the a girl like somebody that's trying to escape jumping out of a first floor window. It's always the second floor window <laughs> right. or higher. Well, that well, see that even that's not true because in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Sally jumped out of the first floor window. Now in Friday the Thirteenth Four, yeah, but she didn't die. She didn't die, but but and, that's what and, it, it, that's what he's saying in here is they have to jump out of the second floor window. Well, right, then they can be on the kill count. Because, well, not well, maybe not necessarily on the kill count, but there's a more a higher likelihood that they get injured. And are an easier target. I just like that that they point <laughs> out that because that's another thing I never notice <laughs> in movies. Is it Friday the Thirteenth? Uh, Friday the thir- Friday the Thirteenth Four, where they jump out. She jumps out the window, bounces off the awning or whatever, and then falls to the ground. You can re- like the mattress. You can see the mattress underneath her. Yeah, that's the Crispin Glover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Friday Four. That's the exact same one that I was thinking of. Yeah, the um, Freaky Twins. Yes. Yeah. It was one of the freaky twins that fell out of the window. Was it? No. It was the Corey Neem's sister. Name. Corey Nemec. Corin. Cor- no, she didn't fall out the window. Corey Feldman? Corey Feldman. I think it was his older sister. No, it's one of the freaky twins that falls out of the no, second he, story window. He throws her out a window onto the car. Yeah. But then the older sister later jumps out the hall window. She rolls off the awning and onto the oh, mattress. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember that argument. Well, now we gotta watch it. Yeah, I guess so. So there's another movie we've got to watch. <laughs> <laughs> so the windows are nailed shut. <laughs> this is how we decide our our entertainment because we don't go out. <laughs> we don't do anything. We're going out this weekend, which will be in the past when you hear this. They hear this because you don't listen to our show. <laughs> Uh, the branches are sawed and the tools and weapons are sabotaged. He's kind of he's loosened the heads of the, like the axe and the sledgehammer, <laughs> etc. Up, so the kids finally arrive. Earlier in the movie, he's explaining how like each group there's the nerd group, there's the jock group, there's the stoner group, and then there's the 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 women or the the girls. And the kids start arriving at this house that he has all prep prepared prep prepared. <laughs> Uh, the kids start arriving at this house that he has prepared and the first two kills are off screen, but they are the two kids that are having sex in the base or not in the basement. They're the two kids that are having sex in the bedroom upstairs. I just noticed he has a soul patch. Yeah. No other serial killers. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, you never see any other serial killers. Ba- Holy crap. Well, no, when they take the masks off, I mean, Jason Voorhees has like a uh, face. Well, and then, Jason Voorhees brought it underwater for years. Remember in the original Halloween, Jamie Lee Curtis somehow gets Michael Myers' mask off, and he's got like wonky eyeballs and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just the fact that Leslie Vernon has a soul patch and. Freddy Krueger has no hair because his face, he's, he was burned. How many other serial killers do you actually see? <laughs> I, I was actually laying in bed this morning. Like, my first alarm went off. And for some reason, I was thinking about, <laughs> would Freddy Krueger have been nearly as effective if he had been played by a different actor? Because Robert Englund's face was Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. Like, what would they have... That was another good casting call, I guess. Well, because like, he's got you know that he's got the nose, very prominent nose, and his face is very unique. You know, when I'm laying in bed, I'm thinking of stuff completely <laughs> <laughs> different than that. I don't know what made me think of it, but yeah, it was just it was like just this morning that I thought about that. That's what I do in my downtime. <laughs> Was it Jackie Earl Haley that played him in the 2010? Oh, you couldn't. I mean, Freddy Krueger could not be anybody else but Robert Englund. So you didn't like the remake? No, I don't like any of the remakes for anything. <sighs> Reboot is just another nice word for. It got success the first time. We don't have any new ideas. Let's do this over again. Dawn of the Dead. The Hills Have Eyes. The rem- Okay. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003. Okay. The Blob. No, the Blob, no. But... You do too like The Blob. <laughs> I like the original better. You've never seen the original? Yeah, we've seen it. From 56? Oh, okay. I didn't see it. I thought you were talking about the one from like 19... 19- 60 or 1970s, 1980? 1980 something. Yeah. With Shawnee. That was the remake? That's the remake. I thought that was the original. <laughs> no. No, that's the remake. Kevin okay. Dillon. Okay. Okay. Evil Dead. All right. Touche. <laughs> All right. I guess just. Uh... Yes, I finally won. <laughs> I finally won an argument. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> You on something. You always get me on something. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah. So, oh, we've talked about this many times. The kids arrive, and the killing starts. The first two kids are killed off screen because they're having sex upstairs in the bedroom. And after Leslie kills these two kids, Angela and the news crew are like really not into it like they finally they finally realized that hey this shit is actually happening and this has gotta you know like we we can't really yeah. stand for we this we can't we can't stand by and let this happen yeah so leslie tells him to leave oh here's the poop scene <laughs> <laughs> so leslie has him leave because he doesn't want them to corrupt What's the word I'm looking for? He doesn't want them to not corrupt. He doesn't want them to intervene. He doesn't want them to. He doesn't to... want them to waste his flavor. 
Um, so he has them leave, and ultimately they decide to stick around. They're going to finish the documentary. They're going to they're going to finish you know going through the the motions of the documentary, and oh Kelly is her name. Um, did you say Angela? Did I at one point? I probably did. Angela. Wait, who who is Kelly? Kelly is the girl. This the okay. the original final girl that was on Shameless. Mm-hmm. Angela is the documentary hostess. Kelly's the red herring. <laughs> that's know. Kelly. Yeah, that's Kelly. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, the blonde. I, they explain a red herring in the movie too. Which... They also do that. Um, so because and 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 it's so funny because he's going through these steps. He's explaining the steps to the to to the documentary crew, and. He he has everything planned out like almost to the letter. It's kind of like like a, the textbook of serial killers that he's going by. Right, that, exactly. That doesn't and even exist. Like just the way he's explaining it, and <laughs> <laughs> there's boobs on screen. <laughs> big or not big boobs, but big boobs, big on the screen. Um, so anyway, the no way nipples he... are that big. <laughs> so the way he's explaining it though, like he, he's going through, he's going step by step by step and he's explaining like, okay, these kids are going to be up here and then these kids are going to be down here. And then when these kids see these kids, they're going to run over here and they're going <laughs> to do this and they're going to come over here and then they're going to come back Basically here. the sequence of events that happens in pretty much every horror movie. Exactly. Like he's using, yeah, other horror movies as his guidebook. Uh, <laughs> but as, not as like, not as his guidebook, but as like the other horror of the other serial killers followed that. No, yeah. I mean, it was like, it's not like... He, he is getting his cues from other serial killers. It's like he and the other ser- serial killers are getting their information all from the same source. Yes. Yes. Because it, it does it does follow a like a sequence of events, a pattern, or uh what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, it's not like it's not like Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers are his mentors. It's like they're all the they're same. All, they're all all using the yeah. same playbook. They're all on the same team. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. See, I'm distracted because we have the movie on quiet. Um, <laughs> so at this point, Kelly, who was the original final girl, you learn that she is most decidedly not a virgin. Because <laughs> apparently she goes upstairs with one of the nerds, the nerd group, and she's like riding him hardcore. <laughs> I should ask you this because it, it didn't really occur to me until now. Uh-huh. Um, so he makes it look like he's been vetting Kelly. Right. As the perfect Final survivor girl. girl. Yeah. Right. But in actuality, Les Incompetents, Angela, yes, is the final girl. So does he know that? I think he does because in a little bit, when they're in the barn, 
they're talking about because or because Kelly, who was shameless, shameless Kelly, right, who was not a virgin. Everybody thought she was going to be the final girl, and then I think they all come to the realization that Angela, who is the documentary hostess, is actually the final girl because she says something to the effect of, "Well, like he found me." Well, that's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if, but if Leslie Vernon had to switch, change his mind to a a new girl, or if this was in the grand scheme. I think this was part of the grand scheme. Um, because when I think one of the document, one of her her camera guys, why would he do a documentary? Right. Well, right. Unless he knew it was never going to get out. And well, she she. One of the two guys, I don't, and I, it must have been not Todd because Todd's the camera guy, the sound guy. Um, he says something to the effect of "You're a virgin" or something like that, and she starts bawling her eyes out. So I think she realizes that he was actually after her the whole time, and mm-hmm. all this was a big setup to get her as the final girl and get her as his mm-hmm. his. Not nemesis, but like the 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 final, which is also innovative. It's a very it's a novel concept to even. Well, like you said, red herring. It was actually like the final girl was the red yeah. herring, or there's a red herring final girl. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. This movie's really good, and you know it's 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 <laughs> it's not really like it's not really like gory. I mean, there's a little bit of blood. But like all this, all the kills happen off screen, and this is one of those movies. Like I think, and and I mean, we'll get into this a little bit more later with our ratings and stuff. But it's a movie that you can put on. Um, this I think, with the exception of the tits part, would probably be one you could put on. Like, yeah, like during Halloween or Christmas, maybe. Or let's or... say, let's say you have a friend <laughs> that absolutely cannot stomach. Horror movies. Yes, that would be a good. This would, be, this would be a good starter yeah. movie. Yeah. Jason. Trains, Jason. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. This would be a good movie for him because he doesn't. He didn't like Sally. <laughs> <laughs> that was Johnson, wasn't? <laughs> yeah. Our friend, our, fr- our our well, we haven't talked to him in forever, but yeah, our old friend took a look at at. Uh, <laughs> the the DVD of Saw, and he looks at it and he says, "What what is Sally? What what kind of movie is Sally? Ooh, Sally, scary. S A L L I. I'm looking at the box set up there. <laughs> but Jason would would like this one. I think Jason. Yeah, I think he'd Jason do like one of those like people. It. that's like <laughs> this isn't scary at all. Right. <laughs> Then you do a quick change up and show him something like uh, <laughs> Saw or Sally. <laughs> the descent would freak his ass out. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> so after we figure out that Kelly's not a virgin, um, and and the documentary crew goes in and they start telling all the other teens like, "Hey, you know, you you you, you got to realize like this guy is after you. He's gonna kill you. He's coming after you." He's after so he's after Kelly, but he's after all of you. He's gonna kill you guys to get to her. So Leslie has to reconfigure 
reconfigure his plans uh, to accommodate for the intervening uh, of of the uh, or the interference of the the documentary crew, and <laughs> this is where earlier in the movie he was explaining, and this this goes back to the setting of the apple orchard. He was explaining that on like uh, full moon nights. <laughs> like the the farmers would go out and they would tend to the field and the field would actually like start to run blood red and it would get like the the mud would come up and it was bloody and it was you know nasty so this Todd guy goes out and he's the camera guy for the documentary crew <clears throat> he goes out and he's running through the woods and one of the other things that um what's his name Eugene who was played by Herschel from The Walking Dead he was explaining you know, it, the rules of, of escaping. And this is one thing that we, we also uh, didn't mention. You know, he's like, you run and you don't stop running until it's morning. And you never look back and you never go, you know, into the field and you never go wherever. You never do this and you never do that. From the experts, how does one survive an encounter with someone like you or... Leslie. <laughs> I like her, Liz. She's a little spitfire. So, how about it? Well, I'll tell you. Never hang out with a virgin. <laughs> you got a virgin in your crew, either get somebody in her pants or get the hell away from her. <laughs> Aside from that, the simple answer is run like a motherfucker and don't stop till the sun comes up. Pardon the French, but there it is. And don't try to hide. We'll find you. Don't try to be a hero and fight us. You'll lose. Now pick out a clear spot ahead of you as far away as possible and run straight. And don't ever, ever look back. Because you won't like what you see. I promise you that. How about uh, sticking together? Well, sure. Sure, you can do that. Just make sure there's one poor son of a bit slower than you when it comes time to run. <laughs> I was fast, wasn't I, Eugene? You sure were. <laughs> but you caught me, didn't you? I did, I did. <laughs> uh, okay. All right, all right. Well, this is exactly what Todd, the cameraman, does. <laughs> he runs into the field. He gets mucked down by the mud and the blood and the and the you know in the field, and he gets stuck. And this whole time he's running away from Leslie Vernon, he's looking back and he's looking back and he's looking back, and of course Leslie Vernon catches up to him because he falls down. So Leslie <laughs> kills him. Now the group realizes that, as we we said earlier, that Angela has actually been the target the whole time. And because Leslie found her, um, he searched her out. He was doing the background checks on her. He did all this kind of stuff. So <laughs> I, it's like, I don't know. You know, we're breaking this down. We watched this last night and we, we have it on again. And, you know, as Nancy said, like, there's, there's like so many little like nuances mm -hmm. and just like, it's one of those movies that you have to watch it a few times you, to catch stuff. Yeah, you pick out little yeah. little things here and there and like like she said, like 
like little details, like the fact that him and <laughs> Leslie Vernon and Gene are skipping, <laughs> skipping, skipping stones. stones. In the yeah. <laughs> and this is where Eugene's giving the rules about getting away. <laughs> the skipping stones is kind of like a like I'm going with my my like dad or my grandpa son, fishing. Yeah. <laughs> After Angela realizes that she's the final girl. Her and Leslie kind of have it out. They do the fighting and they do the running and the fighting. And again, there was there was talk about how the big weapons, um, like the axe and the sledgehammer and the you know the scythe and stuff like that, were phallic in nature. Um, Leslie's explaining this to her earlier in the documentary, and he says, you know, the axe is is phallic and the sledgehammer is phallic and stuff like that um not only because of their shape but because of their like power and their their like subconscious energy or whatever jamie lee curtis use knitting needles though yes in the first one she stuck them in the neck so yeah that wouldn't be something phallic that's like a feminine thing i would think well (sighs) The way he's explaining it, it's more about power. Okay. I think. Because, and then he says that, like, the apple orchard and the field are yonic, which is the opposite of phallic. Um, essentially means vaginal. Because it's open and it's accepting. While the axe and the sledgehammer are bludgeoning and hmm. hammering. Yeah, I'll have to give that some more thought. <laughs> Philosophical discussions. <laughs> Bet you never thought. Um, I like how he's he's being so serious while he's wiping preparation age all over his face. <laughs> he's explaining like the reason why he uses it and the fact that he makes his own concoction. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's got it. What was it? It was preparation age mixed with what? <laughs> Something, but the preparation H, preparation H keeps his face like restrict, tight. yeah, blood and vessels, it, yeah. and that way he doesn't bleed if he gets cut on his face or <laughs> you know stuff like it's the same stuff that boxers use. Um, <laughs> so, but to the 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 point I was trying to make with the phallic nature is that because Angela and Leslie are fighting and they're running away from each other and they're fighting and. They get into this little barn or this little shed, and Angela somehow gets the better of Leslie, and she's reaching down, she's reaching down, she's reaching down, and while it's on screen, you almost think that she's going to, like, grab his dick or grab his balls and squeeze. they're falling in love with each other. But what actually ends up happening is, is Leslie has this hand scythe in, like, behind his back or in his back pocket. And she ends up sticking him with it. And he coils over in pain, and she grabs him and puts his head inside of a cider press. <laughs> and it, she starts to squeeze the cider press down on his head. And as, he's, as, as she is squishing his melon, she says, or he says in, a, in like his final breath, he says, I knew you were the one. And then Angela burns the barn down. And she wouldn't have even, you know, that she wouldn't have even used the cider press as a weapon if he hadn't have explained, he explained that he was going to use it 
earlier while he was eating an apple, which was hilarious. He did, <laughs> he did say, yeah. There is a scene where they're talking about the cider press. think she asks him she says you know what are you going to use the cider press for and as he's crunching on the sapling he says i'm gonna make cider <laughs> you know? but as it turns out it actually ends up being the final weapon to kill leslie vernon and yeah i don't know man like sitting here talking i mean we, like i said we watched this movie last night and you pick up a lot of things but then we're, we're sitting here and we're talking about it and it's like i found a, a whole slew of other stuff <laughs> And it's just, it's one of those good movies, like, yeah, like, you see what he's doing, and obviously he's using past horror movies, you know, Friday the 13th, Mike Myers, or uh, Halloween, you know, uh, Freddy Krueger, and all that stuff. He's using those characters in those movies as guidebooks, but, like, he's improving on it a little <laughs> bit, and it's just, it's, it's, like, I don't know, man, just, I'm actually, like, I'm kind of shocked at how good the movie really is <laughs> after we sit here and we talk about it so um okay with that being said what's your gore score Whoa. gore score could i yeah. could i include the nipples in on it because that was pretty nasty <laughs> sure i guess All right, i'd give it, a, give it a five just because no um anatomically correct female <laughs> is going to have <laughs> nipples that large. They were pencil erasers. No, they were like fingertips. <laughs> Mine or yours? <laughs> okay. Probably yours, yeah. And then over <laughs> your overall score. Eight. An eight? I give it an eight. Okay. And I assume you would definitely recommend this to other people. Of course. Okay. Yes. And then just for shits and giggles, your favorite part. You've you've already said a few, so. <laughs> it, the whole, when he was describing how he was going to scare the poop out of somebody. The poop. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was just, that just did it for me. All right. Um, yeah. Okay. I would give this maybe a two on the gore score. Two or three. There's really, like, all the kills happen off screen. There's not a lot of blood. Um, I wouldn't count the nipples as as, as gore. Um, but <laughs> Then you obviously didn't get a good enough look. Oh, I looked. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you did. <laughs> um, so, and, but, and then overall I would That's give That's why a... you were okay with watching it again. You Looking wanted pervert. to put it on. <laughs> I I would easily give this a nine, and and after discussing it, you know, we watched it yesterday, and we 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 have it on now. Um, I would even easily give this a nine, and definitely a recommend to casual horror fans. Um, but yes, I I definitely highly recommend it. It it's. It's an easy watch. It's a fun watch, and it's one of those movies where you like, 
you you have to watch it a couple times to pick out all the little subtleties. Ex- and, and that's exactly how um, this is Final Tap and Best in Show was. You find something new. Yeah, that's true. To love about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yes, highly recommended. Um, so a five and an eight from Nancy, and a three and a nine from myself. Um, again, the, yeah, the Rise of Leslie Vernon definitely a good movie. I I I don't think a six point seven on on IMDb gives it justice. Um, it's just yeah, it's you know it it's one of those movies and and I can't say it enough. It's one of those movies that you can show to a casual horror fan or somebody that may not like it. It could be a movie that you know could introduce them to something bigger, but it's like it's it's funny, very little scare. There's not a lot of blood. It's one that you could put on, except for the sexuality, like with it, the exception of yeah. the boobs. You could probably have it on during Halloween, and stuff. You know, so yeah, definitely a very good movie. Very good movie. Underrated, I think, um, among like casual horror fans. For sure. Yeah, she's actually getting teary. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> It's good. Uh, we're laughing all the way through it. Anyway, so, ah, okay. You can find us on Instagram at XHR underscore podcast. You can find us on all the major podcast platforms. We are pretty much everywhere. And if you can't find us, then hit me up somewhere else and I'll tell you how to get there. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, please, please, please rate and review us you know we do this for fun we do this for free everything that we watch comes out of our own pocket and getting us out there or rating us helps us tremendously so if you're listening on spotify hit that five star button and if you're listening on itunes hit that five star button and leave us a review let us know what you think you know if you don't like us that's fine too but let us know why you don't like us. We're, we're, we're cool with constructive criticism. Um, but yeah, so yeah, for Extreme Horror Replay, I am Ben. And I will say be good to each other and stay safe. And to my beautiful, lovely, awesome wife, I will say. You'll say bye all to me? Uh, <laughs> Are you going somewhere? To my beautiful, <laughs> stunning, awesome wife, I... I will I will hand the microphone over to my beautiful stunning wife so she can say bye y'all. <laughs> Take care guys and we'll see you next time. <laughs> okay, how's everything going out there? I'm doing well. How yeah. Oh, we're very good. A little cold here in Michigan, but it's to be expected. I would say it's a little cold here too, but that, that's it's nothing compared to what you're doing fortunately we haven't had any snow so that's good not today but yeah (laughs) (laughs) so okay i will do a quick intro and then if there's we'll uh get this started right all right what's up goreheads and welcome to a very special episode of the extreme horror replay and on the phone with nancy and myself we have a very special guest Nathan Basil, better known maybe as Leslie Vernon, 
Nathan, how you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so I much am. for joining us. You're welcome. So, yeah, we 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 uh, actually just recorded an episode of Behind the Mask: The Rise of Leslie Vernon, and Nancy suggested that maybe we should reach out to you and see if you'd be willing to hop on with us for a little bit. And to our delight, you said yes, and uh, we honestly weren't expecting it but we very much appreciate it <laughs> that's my pleasure I, I i dig that the movie is still turning people on so. you know we, we watched love, we it. just watched it again last night <laughs> we watched it and we giggled like a couple kids farting in the bathtub so <laughs> <laughs> um i don't want to butter you up right away but has no anyone ever compared you to a slightly less animated Jim Carrey or even an Anthony Perkins from Psycho, Norman Bates. Yeah, I've, I've been compared to both. Actually, Robert England uh, compared me to Anthony Perkins. He, oh. he stuck, yeah, his first day of shooting uh, uh, Behind the Mask, he stuck around to, to uh, watch our scenes after he'd finished with his for the day. Mm -hmm. um, I think he wanted to see what he'd gotten himself into. And, uh, <laughs> we were shooting the, we were shooting the van scene um where uh you know the mask slips a little bit and, and uh you see some of the, the the menace uh you know underneath the surface and uh and he particularly delighted in that scene told me that i reminded him of a young answer person and, uh, oh well I, I, that yeah. for me that felt like all the green light i needed to just keep going you know yeah exactly so one thing that we noticed a lot of was the facial expression that you do. So how much of you is in Leslie Vernon? I mean, I know the part was written, obviously, as Leslie Vernon, but how much of Nathan is in Leslie Vernon? Um, uh, well, all of me, really. You know, I'm, I'm saying words that are somebody else's, but my job as the actor is to find the way to not just say the words, but to find a reason to say the words in the first place. And, okay. um, and that was the, the journey that I went on as an actor was, uh, you know, find, finding a personal way, a personal approach to, um, to understanding why I'm doing what I'm doing and uh, making all that math make sense to me. And, and over the course of the shoot, I was fortunate to, be able to piece together a pretty pretty comprehensive you know philosophy and and worldview that made sense to me and i thought made the performance um uh, more impactful because you couldn't just dismiss it as uh, somebody who's evil um it, it makes sense on it, some level it's a very a likable villain yeah we we mentioned both times that we watched it, there just there couldn't be anybody else that played it better. I mean, <laughs> it was just just the like intonations and stuff. It was just like it was hilarious. I mean, <laughs> we were watching it and I was like, what what year did Dexter start? Because I was getting some Dexter vibes and maybe I was just like subconsciously thinking about serial killers or any or something like that. But um, 
That was another thing Leslie Vernon reminded me a lot of Dexter. Sunset, it started in uh, 06. 2006. Yeah, yeah, so the same year, right? Mm. Yep. I, 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 uh, I auditioned for Dexter. And oh, really? <laughs> I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't get it, obviously. You auditioned but, uh, for Dexter's part? Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I actually um, worked with uh, Jen Carpenter um, on her audition for Dexter, and uh, she did get the part. So yeah, well, we've seen we've seen that uh, one, one out of two isn't bad. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt that you had something to do with it. I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> well, yeah, you would have been able to offer, and not that Michael C. Hall didn't, but um, the um, dark comedic talent that was needed. For that role so i would i would have been interested to see just <laughs> how he would play as dexter well i was um impressed with the how funny the script was without really having to sell it at all and my um the kind of humor that appeals to me particularly is um is witty humor subtle humor um, right and uh and i loved that you could play these jokes without having to, you know, beat the audience over the head with it. You could sometimes undersell or bury a joke, um, and um, that gives it, I don't know, a, a, a rewatchability factor, it mm. feels like, um, because yeah. it gives people an opportunity to watch the movie more than once and get more out of it you know, multiple viewings and find little details and things like that. I that's those are the kind of movies I enjoy. We did actually we, we mentioned that when we were watching it. We we're like, you know, every time we watch it, we see something new that was added that we didn't notice the other times. <laughs> and it's always a pleasant little surprise because there's like things hiding in every scene that some people just wouldn't notice. Do you regret at all that there wasn't a sequel? No, I don't. Um, I I think most actors, I think probably ninety percent of of professional actors would kill to have a movie like that that they could point to on a on a you know shelf somewhere and you know say you know kids when I was you know a young man. <laughs> I made this movie, and here I now give you Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, and watch, watch what your old man used to do, you know? Right. I think most actors would kill for a legacy like that. Yeah. Um, and the fact that we have that is is incredible. Um, did, did it look like there was uh, more of a possibility? Um, yeah, and um, I don't think that that possibility has gone away. Fact, I, I feel like a sequel is almost inevitable. Yeah, reboots um, are like, so. yeah. That's well, I, I, I just prequel. think, I, yeah, I think there's just all kinds of ways. You know, the concept is is already great, and so it's really just finding a way to um, make it relevant, contemporary, and um, and for me, the older we get and the more gray hairs I have. Uh, the funnier it is. Uh, this, this, you could almost this take guy. on the Eugene part. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, um, you're this, the <laughs> you're the mentor. <laughs> yeah, when, you know when when 
an old man tries to do a young man's job. <laughs> do you uh, do you like being recognized as a cult uh, horror star, or do it's, you get recognized as a cult? It's not a bad star? gig. Yeah. yeah, I do. Um, it's it doesn't happen, you know, every day, but uh, when I am, it's you know, it's always a good feeling, and it's happened a couple times around my kids, which. Um, that, which is cool because it makes them think that I'm somebody. You get cool, <laughs> cool dad points. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, I somebody hope you be somebody a... someday. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have a question, and this is just off the fly. Um, did you audition for you? And if not, why not? Because you would have been perfect as the main character. Um. What's you? <laughs> There's a show on Netflix. It's it's actually kind of similar to Dexter. Um, they it, really, yeah, they really stick to like the Dexter format with the narration in the background. Yeah, um, I'd recommend it if if you have time to watch it on Netflix. It's simply called You. That's it. Yeah, and you would have okay. been perfect in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to know. <laughs> Back to the movie. Nice cat, cute cat. Um, yeah, just, she always tries to interrupt. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything that you would have liked to have seen in the movie, or is there anything that was cut that you regret being taken out? Well, um, we shot the run walk scene twice, but we were never able to pull it off. It was the idea that um, uh, you see. Um, Taylor running at full speed and then behind her every time she looks over her shoulder I'm you know doing a slow zombie walk but when she <laughs> turns to look ahead then I uh, start bolting after her and uh, and then walk she looks over her shoulder I'm walking and and so you see you know me catching up in spite of the fact that every time she's looking back it looks like I'm walking um, right and we were just never able to pull it off because she's so fast angela is so <laughs> fast and i just i told her you know oh just go and i'll catch up with you all coffee and everything like that and i pulled a hammy the first uh, you know, <laughs> shooting so it just didn't work out that time and then we had to go back and try to reshoot it later on and again my hammy was just not letting me and uh it was just it just never came together but um yeah that, that would have been cool if we pulled that off so you did your cardio, but you didn't stretch. No, I never stretched. I didn't. I I, I only started stretching two years ago, and uh, it was only because I had, my back problems were just getting so bad that I just was like, oh, this is ridiculous. I got to do something. I feel you there. I have back troubles myself. Um, yeah, stretching. Stretching's been uh, stretching's been off. Okay, I'll keep that in mind then. Um, the movies that are mentioned in your movie, Michael Myers, Halloween, Friday the 13th, Jason Voorhees, <laughs> she definitely wants to be involved. <laughs> Did you have the opportunity or had you ever seen those movies to know what they were referencing or know the characters that they were referencing? I had seen um, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street um, 1 and 2. Um, I'd seen those when I was younger, but um, I hadn't seen tons of horror movies. Um, I'm a scared 
but I felt like, okay, well, I, I should watch some of these movies that are being referenced. I had seen Child's Play, um, um, but I hadn't seen Halloween or Friday the 13th. Um, and uh, so I, 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 I watched Friday the 13th, but I only saw Halloween for the first time a couple of years ago. Oh, wow. Um, I know. Um, I got a lot of catching up to do but after doing the movie i i felt much more of a responsibility to to uh be more of an ambassador to horror and 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 a responsibility to you know see some of those um Mm -hmm. classics and stuff like that so i've i've seen a lot since then um but at the time i didn't i just trusted that you know it's all in the script i'm i'm not making anything up uh you know the, the the characters that i say uh you know, in reference, um, you know, those those are the words. I just have to say the words and, and people get what I'm talking about, you know. So given the fact that Leslie Vernon um, is kind of an amalgam between um, comedy and horror, would you say that you're more of a comedic actor or more of a horror actor? Uh, I don't know. I... Yeah, I don't think I was really working jokes too hard. Um so I I don't I don't I don't tend to consider it uh more of a comedy than a horror movie, but um I don't know, there was definitely some dark to it. I don't know. I always played I always play the bad guy. So it's just I'm kinda used to that. Um I don't you know, think of myself as a bad person, but that's just how people see me <laughs> so i don't know so i'm not going to change that uh anytime soon it's, it's just how i come off i guess it's, oh, uh, for what it's worth it's you're a very fun bad guy killer. okay yeah, very yeah. Like <laughs> in fact there's a everybody's there's you got to have that quality of like i i he was always very nice to me i don't understand why <laughs> he went on a rampage and yeah, those are the guys you least suspect. Yeah, that's right. I, you got to be at least suspecting. Okay. <laughs> uh, we actually put up a vote a couple weeks ago for an upcoming episode that we have, and the 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 category was most likable villain. Um, and spoiler alert, you won out. So yes, Who I beat that? Hannibal Lecter. It was. <laughs> Let's see. Okay, it was Fats from the movie Magic, Grant Grant from the movie Slither, Professor Henry Jared from House of Wax, and Leslie Vernon from Leslie Vernon. And you did win out of those. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> so I Where think. Where do I win? What do I get a T-shirt? <laughs> um, I will make you a T-shirt and send it to you. <laughs> I. <laughs> I get a I get a hearty handshake. Uh, yes. Uh, the episode is upcoming, but yeah, I'll make sure I'll tag you in it on Instagram, so you might be at least be able to see it. All right. Oh, so, I'll look forward to that. I have a question about the movie again. Now, okay, the movie came out in two thousand six or two thousand seven, which was right in the heyday of the torture porn genre boom. Yeah. Now. 
I know Leslie Vernon, I know the movie has taken on a new life recently, but do you think, I know it got a slow start. Do you think because of that torture porn boom, do you think it got a low a slow start because of that? No, I think um, I, I I think that um, that well, for example, there were two movies that Anchor Bay uh, Entertainment uh, distributed theatrically in the same year. I believe it was the same year. Um, Behind the Mask was the first one, and then Hatchet was the second one. Um, and Hatchet is a you know is a straight ahead slasher mm -hmm. and um it it's on what sequel number four or whatever four right? or five yeah yeah so i i think i think with hatchet um you just you just know what you're getting and you know how to sell it and an audience that's coming to see it knows what they're getting and they get what they're expecting and behind the mask it's just it's it's a hard sell it's a hard market it's a hard thing to you know convey to people what it is that makes it something worth you know it's just it's just it's hard to you know sum it up in a sentence you know or in a blurb or something like that and uh i just i think it's um it's just harder to to sell when uh, compared to when you have a product that you know you know it's not right it's not reinventing the wheel you know I, we were just discussing when we were watching the movie about how um, the meta concept has been brought in um, recently into movies. And we referenced um, Best in Show and This is Final Tap as the mockumentaries that in this day and age would have gotten like an Academy Award nomination just because <laughs> they were like innovative. And that's how we felt. That's how, the vibe we were getting from this movie, because it was it was very you know mockumentary, but it was kind of like poking fun of Blair Witch, and it was just something like that was innovative. That in this day and age, I feel like it probably would have gotten the accolades that it deserved, just because people are more like aware of awareness. <laughs> So, I mean, has every anybody ever like compared um, your your role as uh, compared them with, let's say, I'm Michael McKeon? Has anybody prepared ever compared you that to to him or to Parker Posey or anything? I, those movies were definitely um, um, reference points to us because I think, um, uh, at particularly uh, uh, Waiting for Gaffney's Final Tap. Um, because the way that I um, the 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 way that I was playing the character, so so the the script, the way it was written, I think um, it's written so that a, a a big you know towering guy, you know, kind of kind of monster of a guy is is you know showing people the you know behind the scenes of you know what it is that he does and um and that's the kind of casting that they were looking at for for leslie vernon uh, was that kind of that kind of presence and i i'm not that kind of presence i'm i'm you know a lot shorter than your you know massive hulking monster um uh i think that they 
excused that because they felt like, okay, well, maybe, maybe what he lacks in bulk, he makes up for in, you know, sheer evil, gumption or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, sheer evil. Um, Charisma. But, but, but then yes, but then the 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 take that I was doing on the character was, um, I wasn't playing up the the dark of it. I wasn't playing up the evil of it. I was. I was just playing up the normal of it, and um, and so it it steered everything into that direction of of a kind of waiting for Guffman type quality where you have characters who are absurd. They're 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 committing to their absurdity a hundred percent. They believe a hundred percent in in themselves, but you know who, who what they do is just you know it's absurd, and and, and what they think and how they express themselves is just absurd, but their their belief in their absurdity is is always there. And so I think that's what we that's the kind of comedy that we started to mine it from the script became um, that kind of subtle humor, the the humor of of uh, coming from characters that have their own integrity. Um, it's just their beliefs are, you know, kind of wackadoodle, um, you know, and I, I felt like that was a really great way to unify a script that was doing what it was doing with horror commentary, but it was doing it <clears throat> in a way that allowed humor in as well. I think it, it, it definitely fits because the way the script is written with the first half of the movie or the first two thirds of the movie being documentary style. And then the last half or third being a straightforward movie, the way, how do I want to say this? The way it was written, the way it worked out was, I don't know. It was just, it was perfect. It was, it was, it was serendipitous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and man, I keep coming back to the, it, like, the the subtle inflections and the subtle facial expressions, uh, especially when uh, Scott Wilson, I want to say is his name, Scott Wilson, Eugene, is cutting the carrots in the dinner scene. And you're kind of sitting in the background and you're, you've got this smirk on your face. And, and it's like, <laughs> like I said before, we laughed. You know, we watched the whole movie. Now it gets a little serious in the end, but where you're playing Leslie Vernon and not the killer, it it just I don't know. We like I said, we giggled the whole way through. And there's little things that you can pick out. There's little things, and you're well, in the background, and you got the smirk on your face, and yeah. it's like you're. <laughs> I I think that's one of the things that's endearing about your character is that you are hiding in plain sight. I mean, you don't want a six foot five you know, guy playing a villain because yeah. in in reality, it's the people that you would never guess, you know, are living this like Yeah. So it, it would almost seem like like that should have been the goal all along because yeah. Um, you know, there's a uh a, a idea that, you know, serial killers are like white males between the ages of twenty five, thirty five, around there. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, and we we actually were talking about that because if we were to see you in a room of all different kind of guys, you would have been the last person 
that I would have picked out. Yeah, I would have <laughs> been like, oh, he gives me the creeps because you didn't. And the fact that you didn't give anybody the creeps was like creepy itself. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought that that was a quality that we discovered that was really lovely and and did make it unique was the fact that um, as he's you know pulling back the curtains on this uh, this profession um, he's not apologizing for anything um, if anything he's 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 proud of what he does mm -hmm. and uh, he has no shame about it um, he has um, just an absolute love of what it is that he does, why he does it, and the purpose that he knows that he has, you know, his cosmic purpose is being realized, you know, and how could that ever be wrong or anything to apologize for? And, um, and I think that that's a really fascinating quality because uh, it allows the, uh, it kind of captures the audience um, in a, in a really clever way, because if the audience can start to identify with um, me and why I'm doing what I'm doing, um, then they can't easily let themselves off the hook once I start doing all the things that I say that I am going to do. Once I finally start doing them, um, an audience that cares about um, Leslie can't, uh, they're indicted in his actions, and I I, I find that uh, to be a really um, interesting confrontation to force an audience to have to, uh, to to wrestle with. Yeah, I think that was another thing that we mentioned. We, <laughs> as much as you're not supposed to like a serial killer, this movie kind <laughs> <laughs> make it easy. To it, do. And it does. There's like <clears throat> there is you know a conflict in your head about should I find this guy as a hero because you know comedically he was awesome but you know it can't get away from the fact that he is playing a serial killer and we have well, that's that's what i dig about uh hannibal lecter in the same way you know I, I yes i know that i wouldn't want to be sitting on the other side of a table from him but um but there is something that's um when an audience is invited in to identify with the the villain, you know, to identify with their sense of purpose, I think that that's an interesting opportunity for an audience. Um, mm -hmm. Not all movies um, pull that off well, but um, but when they do, you get a Darth Vader or a Hannibal Lecter, you know. You can't help but love the villain <laughs> in that case. I mean. Time is running short. We have about 10 minutes left. What do you do? I know you you are a acting teacher. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh well, I teach people to act. <laughs> I don't I don't really teach people. I, well, basically all I do is is uh I remind people that you don't need me to teach you how to act. You already know how to act. You've been doing it since you were 6 years old playing in the sandbox. All all my job is just to remind you to give yourself permission to play. And uh, that's that's really all I do is just be a cheerleader for people to, you know, jump into the sandbox again. That would be pretty empowering for be fun. Yeah. Well, yeah, for um, people that are 
new into the industry, but not necessarily, like you said, not new to acting. I mean, everybody has acted in one way or another, whether it's to lie to your parents that you want this place or that place. But and yeah, yeah, I, that's that's it. There, there's there. I think most actors, their relationship to acting is essentially lying. Um, and you know, we we know how to do that ever since we've been. You know, we wanted an extra portion of whatever for. Uh, <laughs> right. for uh, you know, like we 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 know all, we all know how to lie, but um, but acting um is uh, demands something more of us uh, uh personal investment than um just trying to pull pull something over on the audience. If if it was all about lying, it you'd just become a lawyer or <laughs> <laughs> a petty criminal. I don't know, but <laughs> there's you... definitely some talent that's still in there. You mentioned that you have kids. Have your kids seen your movie yet? Yeah, they did for the first time a couple of years ago. Okay. Did, did they, they and did it? they enjoy it? They did. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> no, they did enjoy it. I think I it was important for me um that they didn't see it until they had uh until they'd seen some of the movies that we that we referenced, you know, so okay. that um so that that impact of our movie um so that it could have some impact because uh the other movies that we reference you know they've got that as a, you know, a foundation context for the movie you know if you didn't see if you if you're not a, like an avid horror movie aficionado yeah. <laughs> you're not going to get most of the stuff from the movie um and you don't have to i, I think i i think on on the, some level the movie gets across in the sense that uh you know there are conventions, and even if you're not familiar with every one of them, um, you know you can you can you get the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so they'd seen when I ran on street, and we saw Halloween, and uh, and uh, we saw Friday the Thirteenth, and okay, here we go, and um, they they enjoyed it, and now they get what all the hubbub's about. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, there's things that that even people that are seasoned horror movie buffs are still, I mean, it it never even occurred to us the the mindset of a serial killer that would like pre-cut an axe and (laughs) the rules of of jumping out of second floor windows. And (laughs) those are things that when you watch the movies all the time, it's kind of like, yeah, you know what? That that happens. That happens a lot. <laughs> when you when you realize that there's a man behind the curtain who's uh, man turning all the man. dials and spinning all the wheels, uh, yeah, then you start looking for him in movies that have nothing to do with behind the mask. That's that's a wonderful infection that we've uh, managed to spread a a, a virus of a, a meta virus. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Well, our time is about up. So, Nathan, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. Uh, from myself and from my wife Nancy, thank you so much. I we just very appreciative of you coming on and talking about the movie and about your life and kids and stuff like that. But we do want to wish you farewell. It was a it was a big a, pleasure, a treat. Yeah, <laughs> it was a pleasure talking to you both, and I uh, hope you all have a fantastic holiday. Thank you. You Thank you so much.
Nathan, it's been great talking to you again. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. We appreciate it. And you have yourself a safe and happy holiday. And to your family, send us send our regards, please. Thank you. I appreciate it. Great talking to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye.